You know, I was thinking today, and I, I won't keep you guys long. Um, I was thinking the last few days about what I was going to share, and, and God gave me a, a phrase that instantly fell into my heart. And it's a phrase that I think uh, we've been saying a lot probably lately, particularly today for those of you in Illinois. Uh, the governor just extended the Stay at Home Act uh, for basically another month through May. And the phrase that I heard was, how long? And I think that's something we've all been asking. Well, how long is this going to last? How long are we going to have to stay at home? Are, are we going to have our summer? Are we going to be able to do things? Are we going to have breakaway? Are we going to get to go to camp? Are we going to be, you know, having school in the fall? Like, how long is this going to go down? And the honest truth is no one knows. I don't think we really have a definitive idea of how long this may go. And, and just so you know, from my end, I'm planning for this to be long. Uh, I'm planning for this to be a longer duration just because I don't want to go through the disappointment of, oh, by now we should have been back. And uh, they said two weeks and now it's been three weeks. And so I try to plan further out. But I think there's this issue we have with waiting sometimes, particularly when we don't know how long we're going to wait. I think we're okay when we know that there's going to be a certain wait time. It's like, so, you know, back in the day when we would go to restaurants, uh, anytime you would go to a restaurant and you would try to ask for a table, if, especially if it was busy, they would say, okay, you know, Joey, party of five, it'll be 45 minutes. And you're like, 45 minutes? But, you know, if you've done it a few times, you realize it's probably not going to take 45 minutes. It's probably closer to 30 minutes or 25 minutes. They have to tell you a longer time because they know that if they don't get you a table by 30 minutes, at 30 minutes, you're going to be going up to them going, hey, where's my table? And so they give you something a little bit further. They, they set your expectations longer. They say 45 minutes so that if you get a table in 20 minutes, which is probably what they could have done all along, they look good because they said, hey, see, wow, we got a table super quick. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, we have that issue where, where we want it sooner. And, and God has this way of giving us a longer timeline uh, because he understands how things work. And again, I think it's the fact that we don't know that makes it difficult. Uh, I was thinking about along my travels, a lot of times when I get to travel, um, it always seems, and you might be able to relate to this, it always seems longer when you're going somewhere you've never been. Even when you come back, the journey back doesn't feel as long as the journey there because coming home is always easy. You have a relative idea uh, of how long it's going to take to come home. Uh, but when you're going somewhere that you've never been, there's always this idea of like, but how long is this going to take? Like, I've never been here. And even with the GPS, right? GPS is suggested time. If it tells me it's going to take me, you know, 30 minutes to get there, I'm like, bet, 25 minutes, right? Like, we always want to beat the GPS. But especially if you don't have that, if you're just driving to a certain destination and, and you don't know approximately how long it's going to take, it starts to drive you nuts and it's hard to hold on to that. I want to talk to you about how long, not just in particular with the COVID-19 or uh, the situation that we're going through now, but I think this is a question that we asked before coronavirus broke out. I think this is a question we asked with all types of promises and all types of things. You know, some of you are, are you know, 12 years old and you're asking God, how long am I going to have to be single? Well, you're, you're only 12. 
But I get the feeling because I remember when I was 12 trying to figure out how long I was going to go without a girlfriend and everybody's got a relationship and I'm the only one alone and I'll forever be alone. And there's this feeling when when it hasn't got to that precipice yet, you know, and even for some of you leaders or some of you adults who are in your early 20s, you're wondering, well, how long everybody's getting snatched up and everybody's hooking up and I'm all alone. And uh, and it can be other things. How long before I could start my career? I had a plan, you know, by 24, I was supposed to be you know in my career I was gonna have a house already which that's oh, it's a weird plan I don't know that many 24 year olds that already own their own homes but you know we have these ideas and when it doesn't go according to our timeline we get frustrated we throw our hands in the air and we ask God well how long and so I want to talk to you about that and if you have your Bibles or if you want to reference back to it, just to make sure I'm not lying I want to look at Genesis and I want to look at somebody who waited a long time and as I was thinking about that, I, I came to a character in the Bible known as Abraham. Actually, at the point we're reading that right now, his name was Abram and his wife Sarai. And later on, their names get changed. But for continuity's sake, I'm just going to go ahead and refer to them as Abraham and Sarah. And I want to talk to you about the promise. In Genesis chapter 12, God gives Abraham a promise. Verse 1 through 2 says this, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Now, this is a hard promise. I mean, it sounds great, right? Like, you're going to be famous. I'm going to give you all these resources. The particular aspect of that promise is that I will uh, make a nation out of you, a great nation, meaning he's going to multiply his family. But here's the hard part. He has to leave everything. He has to leave the place he's used to. He has to leave his family. He has to leave his land. And he has to go somewhere where he doesn't know. He doesn't know how long it's going to take to get there. He doesn't know how long it's going to take for these promises to be fulfilled. But what I love about Abraham and Sarah is they don't wait for the promise to be filled to be faithful. They're faithful right off the bat. And in their faithfulness, in that process of waiting on the promise... It doesn't go completely smooth. There are a couple of, of mistakes, I think, that they start to make some mishaps that I think are going to help you and I if we start to understand that these are things we probably shouldn't do while we're waiting on the promise that God has for us. See, Abraham was 75 years old when God made this promise to him. Now think about that. He's 75 years old when God tells him, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. 75 years old. His wife is slightly younger in her 60s. And they don't have children. As a matter of fact, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, his wife was barren. In other words, she wasn't able to have children. She had never had children. Now, all of a sudden, these two elderly people are told that they're going to have a child. There's this promise given to them. And this is hard to believe. And yet the Bible says that Abraham trusted God, that he believed God. But notice that God said, I will do this. He didn't say when he would do that. And that's the hard part for a lot of us. We believe that God will. We just get frustrated with when he will. We know and we believe and, and we have faith that God will do this, that God will put an end to this virus, that God will bring me back into school, that God will provide for my career, that God will give me a spouse, that God will have a plan for my life in the future. No, I believe that God will. The problem I'm having is I don't know when he's going to do that. And because we don't know when, that when or that lack of when begins to cause wandering, 
begins to cause us to go a little bit off the beaten path that God had planned for us. And so there's a couple things that I notice Abraham does because he's frustrated with the wind, because he doesn't understand when God will do this. And if you're taking notes, one of the first things is this, just a couple of um, tips that I think Abraham has given us that you and I shouldn't do. Number one is this, don't settle. When it comes to the promises of God, don't settle. Early, we see, or not early, but a few years into the promise, the promise hasn't been fulfilled yet. And Abraham decides that he's going to appoint Eleazar, one of his servants, as his successor. See, in those days, all your property, all your values, everything you had would go down to your firstborn, your successor. But because Abraham and Sarah didn't have a child, Abraham was getting ready to appoint Eleazar, one of his servants, as a successor so that this all that he had would go to somebody. But listen to what Genesis 15 says. Genesis 15, verse 2 through 5. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so none of my servants will be my heir. Pause right there for a second. I love that he's kind of blaming God. Well, God, since you didn't fulfill your promise, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. He's settling for less because he doesn't see God doing his part. But then listen to what the Lord says. Then the Lord said to him, no. I love how it just starts like that. No, you're not going to do that. No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. So in this moment, God has to check his heart. God has to remind Abraham, no, 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 no. You're going to have a son. You have to trust me. You have to believe in me. And in order to reinforce his faith, he gives him a sign. He shows him the stars in the sky. And he says, listen, this is how many stars you're going to have. Don't settle with handing off all you have to Eleazar because you're going to have that many descendants who need to inherit it. And a lot of times I think we tend to settle simply because we don't know when God's going to fulfill his promise. We settle for good because we're not willing to wait for great. We settle for what's at hand because we're not willing to wait for what God has in his hand. And so we need to learn to trust God through that process. We need to learn to, to wait and to say, okay, God, I'm not going to move. And again, God never told him, hey, give it to Eleazar. God didn't say it would be different if God said, hey, listen, I had you wait. And now this is my plan for you. But God stuck to what he said. God told him, I'm going to give you a descendant. You will have a son and he will be your heir. And the Bible says that at least for a while, Abraham believed him. But then we see the second thing that we need to be careful not to do. Not only do we have to be careful to not settle, we have to be careful to not help God. Don't help God, okay? If you're taking notes number two, uh, I can't stress this enough because I think a lot of times we try to help God fulfill his promises. We want to help God do what he said he was going to do for us. Think about this now. 75 Abraham is told that this promise he's given this goal right at 86 he and his wife make an agreement to have a surrogate few years later from 75 to 86 they realized no son yet and so we're gonna help God have a child and Abraham or I'm sorry Sarah tells Abraham to sleep with her servant Hagar and have a child with her and that'll be the promise that God had given but that wasn't the promise God gave 
That was their way of helping God fulfill the promise that God said. And God never asked for help. That caused all types of drama. The birth of Ishmael through Hagar. It caused a, an increasingly amount of animosity for generations between uh, the, the lineage of Ishmael and the lineage of Isaac. Wars that are still being fought to this day as a result of Abraham and Sarah trying to help God fulfill his promise. God doesn't need your help. God doesn't need you to get in the middle of things. As a matter of fact, when we try to help God, we only make things worse. Imagine a small child. Let's say you got a little brother or sister, a toddler or a kid, and they want to help you clean your room or they want to help you mop the floor. How many know that help is not help? It's more work because they're going to make a bigger mess than what they're trying to help you. And again, it's not because they don't want to be helpful. It's because they don't have the capability to do what you can do. And so a lot of times in our effort to help God along, we actually delay his promise. We actually derail things that God has planned for us and make it more difficult simply because when we put our hands on things, I find that God tends to take his hands off of it. See, if we help God and God still does it for us in the same way, we don't end up giving God credit. We end up thinking, yeah, God promised it, but I'm the one that really made it happen. Now, that's not to say you don't do anything, right? And we'll get to that in a little bit. But you don't do things that you think you should do just because you think God needs a hand or because God's not moving as fast as you'd like him to move. Sometimes we want to help God speed things along, but we only end up making things worse and prolonging the situation. Now, again, it's not to say you don't do anything, Okay, because if you're taking notes, the third thing you may want to write down is this. Don't wait idly. Don't wait idly. That word idly means with no purpose or reason. Don't just sit back when God gives you a promise and think you don't got to do anything. Listen, man, God may have, have given you a promise, uh, you know, on your heart and say, hey, I'm going to, you know, we talked about missions last week. Maybe God, you know, spoke to your life and said, hey, you're going to be a missionary. That doesn't mean you just sit back and one day God's going to whisk you away and you're going to get on a magic carpet ride to the Middle East. Okay, that's just not how that works. Let's say God gave you a promise to have a certain profession. Some of you think, hey, God, God gave me the promise. I'm going to be a doctor one day. Okay, well, you're not just going to walk into a hospital and tell them, hey, you know what? I get to be a doctor because God promised it. You know, just because you didn't, you didn't go to school, you didn't study, you didn't plan, you didn't get good grades. It's not just going to happen because God promised it. God will have it promised. But remember, it's easier to steer a moving car than a parked car. You have to be willing to do your part, but only in as much as God is directing, right? The car driving on its own is dangerous. The car being driven is what needs to happen. You just on your own going wherever you want to go is not going to be helpful. But if you allow God to steer your life and to take you where he wants to take you, then you can get there. Now, how does that work with what happened with Abraham? Well, Abraham, he ended up waiting another 13 years until God told him and his wife that they were going to be pregnant. By this time, Abraham was 99 years old and Sarah was 89. By the time Isaac was born, Abraham was 100 years old. It took 25 years for God's promise to be fulfilled. Some of us have a hard time waiting 25 minutes. Some of us have gone nuts with being quarantined for a couple months. Imagine waiting on a promise for 25 years. And this was not unique to Abraham. You see waiting like that going on all through the Bible. Moses waited 
three sets of 40 years for things to happen. All throughout the Bible, you see people wandering. The, the Israelites wandered the desert, the wilderness, for 40 years. Jesus spent 30 years preparing for three years' worth of ministry. God is not in a rush because God exists outside of time. The very first verse in the Bible, in the beginning, God created. How did God create in the beginning? Because he existed outside of the beginning. God is not constricted by time. God is not uh, held down by time. And so God's time is not your time. The Bible says... A thousand years to him is like a day, right? It's not a big deal to God to wait and to hold on to things. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 through 22. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. He was convinced. Some of us, I think we believe, but are you convinced that God can do whatever he promises? You know, that word convinced, I think, is important to understand because convinced means there's no more doubt. There's no wavering. There's no second guessing. There's no maybe he will, maybe he won't. Convinced is convinced. And Abraham was convinced, even though he made mistakes along the way, even though he tried to hurry along, he tried to do those things because he was convinced that God was going to fulfill his promise. You know, I think if you look at all that faith that was built up in those 25 years, it's no wonder what ends up happening several years after this. If you go on and continue to read the story of Abraham, as Isaac was a young man, there's a moment where uh, an angel of the Lord appears before Abraham and tells him that God wants him to sacrifice Isaac, his first son. Think about that, a promise that was 25 years in the making. This most prized possession, the beginning of great nations that were going to be as much as the sand and the beach and the stars in the sky. God is asking him to sacrifice Isaac. And without hesitation, Abraham prepares to do that. Abraham takes Isaac and he takes the, the wood to create the burnt offering. And he takes him along the side of the mountain to the place where the altar was, where he was going to stick a dagger in his son's heart and sacrifice him before the Lord. What kind of person would do that if not a person who 100% wholeheartedly believed that God could do anything? I think there's a part there where Abraham probably believed, even if I kill my son, God will bring him back to me because God is capable of doing everything. He gave my wife a child when we were nearly 100 years old. I trust God. And because he trusted God, by the time he got to the altar, there was a ram in the thicket. And the angel of the Lord prevented Abraham from killing his son Isaac and told him, no, the sacrifice is in the thicket. It's that ram. He was being tested again. And that faith was able to be tested and approved because of 25 years of waiting. See, God never intended for Isaac to be killed. At the same time that Abraham and Isaac were coming up one side of the mountain, that ram was coming up the other side of the mountain. God knew exactly what he was doing, but Abraham didn't know. Abraham didn't need to know. He just needed to believe. He had faith. Some of us won't do it unless we know. And God isn't going to do it unless you believe. Who do you think is going to win, you or God? Your um, stubbornness to know or God's righteousness to have you believe? And so if you kind of look on, I think it's important for us to understand a few things. While you're waiting, faith is going to grow. 
His faith grew stronger because God kept providing in the little things. His faith grew stronger because he didn't just wait for God to fulfill his promise. He did everything God said along the way and trusted him. So here's my question for you. How are you growing while you wait? I love what our superintendent has been saying. We're not um, isolated. We're incubated. We, we are in a place of a growing, of opportunity to grow. How are you taking advantage? We're asking the question, well, how long are we going to be quarantined? And God's saying, what are you going to do while you're quarantined? Right? You're waiting for the end and God's waiting for you to start. What are you going to do in the process of your quarantine? How are you drawing closer to the Lord? How are you focusing on what God wants you to do? How are you becoming everything God wanted you to become? Instead of saying how long, ask yourself, what am I doing right now? How am I taking advantage right now? And it can be different for all types of people. Some of you, this is a time of rest. Some of you, this is a time to reconnect with your family. Some of you, this is a time to get sober. Some of you, this is a time to get right with your relationship with God. Some of you, this is a time to take it to the next level. Some, this is a time to evangelize. For some, this is a time to grow and, and to be everything God called you to be. Everyone has something to do in this moment. None of us are called to live idly. If at the end of this quarantine, the only thing you can say is, I finished Netflix. How can God do anything to fulfill his promise in your life? And I want you to understand something. That this faith that is growing in you will not just be for you, but it will be for many that come after you. Because if you continue to read that verse in Romans chapter 4, verse 23 through 25 says, And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Listen, maybe you're struggling right now to believe all the promises that God has made you. Maybe because you're at home and you're stuck in a lot of your situations and you're stuck in your heads, you're going through seasons and moments of doubt and wavering. And I want you to know that that's okay, but only let it be for a moment and only let it be fleeting because God is faithful to his promise. And if you can learn to not wait idly to take advantage of this opportunity that we have to wait, if you can learn to not have to put your hand in the mess and help God because God is sufficient enough to do everything he said he was gonna do, if you learn to trust God through this process instead of trusting in yourself, then at the end of all this, not only will you come out blessed, but the people who see the testimony that came out of your life through this. This is an opportunity for us to grow. So instead of asking how long, why don't we start to ask, what do you want to do now? Where are we going today? What's my purpose tonight? How am I getting a little bit better than I was yesterday? Because I need you to know that before long, we will be getting back together as a community before long. You will be going back to school. We will be going back to our jobs. Things are going to slowly but surely start to return to some sense of normality. But you better not be the same. And you better not be normal. You need to come out of this greater than you've ever been. We not need to come out of this greater than we've ever been if we're going to see things greater than we've ever done. I love you guys. I genuinely miss you. I want to encourage you, like I said at the beginning, hit me up. Let me know how you're doing. Let's stay connected. Let's stay contacted. Small groups are going on tomorrow for all of you who are in Excel. We want to encourage you. Hit up your small group leaders. Let them know what's going on with that. 
And if you have any other questions about this or anything else we're going through, you can contact me or any of our leaders. Let me just pray for you before we close this out. Heavenly Father, I'm just so grateful for everyone who's watching and everyone who's going to watch. But more than that, God, I'm grateful for your word. God, I'm grateful that in this time of uncertainty, you are not uncertain. I'm grateful for in this time of unknown, you are all known. And that, God, you direct every one of our steps. You guide us through these places, God. Lord, we don't have to see because your eyes are enough. We don't have to know because you know enough, God. And so, Lord, we trust you through every aspect of this, even in the scariest of moments. And God, we hold on to the promises that you have given us because we know that all your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And so God, we trust you. We hold you to your word, Lord. We wait on you, almighty God. But Lord, I pray, help us not to wait idly, God. Help us not to move unless you tell us to move. Help us not to speak unless you give us the words. Help us to trust you, God, in everything you said. No matter how long the promise will take, no matter how long we have to wait, God, we will wait on you because we love you, because we trust you, because we know you have a plan and a purpose for our life, not to harm us, but to give us hope and a future. So we place that all in your mighty hands, and we pray this in Jesus' name. God bless you. I love you guys. Let's hear from you. We'll talk to you later. Amen.